In these incredibly uncertain, even frightening times, many wonder, what is the greatest form of security? How can my family and I be safe? Even more importantly, how do I get rid of this fear and anxiety in my life? Coming up, we'll see how the great love of God is the answer to all, next on the Daily in Christ podcast. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. You know, in the midst of this current pandemic or whatever crisis that you are facing right now, God is speaking powerful encouragement through our current series, More Than Conquerors in the Darkest of Times. Just to bring to your remembrance, back in March of this year, 2020, when the COVID-19 pandemic was sweeping the globe and nation after nation went into lockdown, I sought the Lord for His direction, His word, and His encouragement for the body of Christ worldwide. And this series, dear friend, is what God has formulated to speak powerful encouragement to you, no matter the situation you are going through. In the first episode of this series, we set up everything by explaining why our primary text, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 39, is exactly what we need to understand right now or in any crisis. Then the next three episodes provided the vital context of Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 39, and that context is all of the book of Romans before Romans 8. You know, God is faithful to us, even in the darkest of times. As God says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we are indeed more than conquerors. Why? Look at the rest of verse 37, through him who loved us. That's the key. No matter the crisis or disaster, Through him and his powerful, unfailing love, God is committed to see his children through. I know today we hear that phrase, we are committed to do such and such during the current pandemic. But when God makes a commitment, it is true, it is strong, and it gives us powerful life assurance. You know, God is indeed committed to see his children through, not just simply getting by by the skin of our teeth, but as more than conquerors through him who loved us. Again, the whole idea of being more than conquerors, which is incredible. You know what more than a conqueror is? It's more than a winner, more than a champion, even more than a conqueror. That is overwhelming victory. Dear friend, that isn't just for your good times. That's for your tough times as well. And it's all possible because of God's love. Hallelujah. You know, we we all have a pretty bad habit, and I want to include myself in this. 
of hearing powerful truths in the Bible about what God says about us, like in Romans 8.37. And then we have this tendency to look at ourselves after the flesh rather than after the Spirit. And then we think, oh, no way. That couldn't be so for me. Dear friend, listen to me. Yes way. This is all made possible through which speaks of the means by which something happens through him who loved us. You know, every single man, woman, boy, and girl in Christ is already more than a conqueror because of, through him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us. You know, let me make this very personal to me. And I want to let you know that this series is not the result of some ivory tower perspective that's out of touch with those who suffer. To the contrary, this series comes as the direct result of my darkest of times of crisis. This occurred during 2013 and 2014 when I went through a very deep, dark, personal crisis. And in the midst of it all, At the beginning of 2014, God led me to memorize Romans chapter 8. And you know, that was the best thing I could have ever done. Oh, there was so much that God revealed to me as I very slowly memorized those 39 glorious verses. It takes me a while to memorize. I am not someone who's an expert at memorization, But I want to let you know, friend, that that process of digesting and meditating through memorization, those 39 verses, carried me through that dark valley and beyond, even in this current pandemic. And doing that, memorizing, meditating on, learning Romans chapter 8 has had such a profound impact on my life that I frequently take about six minutes and recite the entire chapter. And it just blesses me to hear the heart of God for his children and his rightful heir. And I want to let you know that this series, More Than Conquerors in the Darkest of Times, is the direct result of what God did for me in my darkest of times. You see, that's why when this pandemic crisis came crashing in on us, God led me to Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 39, to bring encouragement and strength to his children around the world. I am passionate to allow God to use me to direct you, child of God, to strength, peace, stability, and blessing in your crisis, whether this present pandemic, or some other crisis that has hit your life. So let's take some time right now and read through Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 39. And as we do, let's pray. Father, thank you for your heart of love. Thank you for speaking to us through the Word, the Bible. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that brings illumination and understanding. And I pray that would happen, Lord, that we would have a a more profound glimpse of the reality of your loving Father, heart, God toward us. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, 
But you receive the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance." Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And... We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our 
Lord. This is the word, the truth, and the reality of God. Praise be to God. We have been hearing God's almighty, wonderful word. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 39. Dear friend, that's why I, 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 you know, as I was reading through those verses, I was thinking that it would be good for you, maybe daily, just take about six minutes and read through Romans 8, the whole thing. It'll be so good and so strengthening for your soul. It'll change your perspective completely. Well, in today's episode, we want to dig into verses 15 to 17. And first, let's look at verse 15. It says this, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You know, dear friend, fear is a huge problem today during this pandemic. And unfortunately, the U.S. news media, left or right, has been downright irresponsible during this pandemic, even instilling fear in the people. And that's why I've been saying, and I want to say it again, shut it off. Turn them off and turn on the Word of God and faithful teachers of the Bible. I'm going to tell you it's going to totally radically change your viewpoint. Listen, friend, fear is not of God. Fear is of the devil. Even the fear of God is not at all the brand of fear the devil pushes on us. The fear of God is the reverential awe and honor of holy God. The fear of God in this real sense is what leads us to sanity and light. King Solomon said, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. My friend, never ever cower in fear. Never. Fear is of the devil. To surrender to fear is to surrender to the devil. And believer, Satan is defeated. The Lord Jesus Christ accomplished it 2,000 years ago. But dear friend, you must enforce the victory against Satan. You know, I shared this in a recent episode and it bears repeating again. 1 John 4.18 and the Amplified is so powerful. Speaking of fear and its connection to love. It says this, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. I like that. That's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 in the Amplified. You see, at the heart or the core of fear, ultimately, is the fear of punishment. And believer, you are not facing judgment. Why? Because your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, took it all at the cross. 
So allow God's perfect love to turn fear out the door and expel every trace of terror. In this verse, Romans 8.15, it says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Remember what we just said from 1 John 4.8, that fear ultimately has to do with punishment. But let me ask, how do we get ourselves under a bondage again to fear? We get that way by putting ourselves under the bondage of law. Even though Romans 6.14 explicitly says, Sin shall absolutely not be your master, for you are absolutely not under law, but under grace. The whole reason why the believer is not under the mastership of sin is simple. It's because, and the literal Greek reads, you are absolutely not under law, believer. You are under grace. And yet, by falsely believing that we are under God's condemnation somehow, even though Romans 8 clearly declares there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, yet we we have false beliefs about how thoroughly God the Father dealt with the case of our wrong against God. And... Um, you know, deserving judgment. We lose sight of what God did, and we put ourselves back into bondage under the law. Now, why why would that happen? Well, you'll remember the struggle verses of Romans chapter 7. We talked about that in the last episode. Anyone who puts themselves under the law sets themselves up for the vicious cycle of resolutions, and then abysmal failure, and then guilt and bondage again to fear, and the cycle starts over again, over and over and over and over again. Listen, God never meant for the law to make you righteous. Rather, as it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. You see, friend, not only are we not under the spirit of bondage again to fear, listen to this, we are also under the spirit of adoption. And that is breathtaking. You see, friend, you and I don't deserve the love of God. We don't deserve to be called his children, even heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So it is breathtaking to consider that God, in fact, solves the problem of the wrath that we deserve through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he brings us in as his children and adopts us as his rightful heir. And that's incredible. That's breathtaking, considering what we deserve, as it says in Romans 1.18, that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And then in Romans 3.10, where it says there is none righteous, no, not one. From that place of horrible darkness, of sin and rebellion, we see through Romans chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and now 8, how God, because of his great love given through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has changed 
everything. Instead of us being enemies of God, God himself has made us his children. Wow, that is love. 1 John 3, 1-2 declares, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it does not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. Again, that's 1 John 3, 1-2. And then in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, But as many as received him received Christ Jesus. To them he gave the right to become children of God. And who can become children of God? John 1, 12 goes on to say, To those who believe in his name. And that name by which we are saved is the precious name of Jesus. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, Romans 8.15 says, but we have received the spirit of adoption. I want to talk for a moment about this adoption that God does for us. It's the idea of being taken ransomed from being a slave of sin, self, and Satan and brought in as a cherished child in the family of God. Not only a child in the family, but also, listen, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, Romans 8.17. And let me take a moment here, a little bit of an aside, to bring a clarification on this idea or this word of son or sonship. When the Bible speaks in the New Testament of sons and sonship, they're not excluding females. It includes both males and females. Why? Because every single believer is in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is not only the Son, even more significantly, he is the firstborn Son, who is the heir of all. So, when you hear this word Son in the context of the New Testament, it means rightful heir through the Lord Jesus Christ. I found this uh, interesting information about adoption and sonship from uh, this next part from New Unger's Bible Handbook, which says, The new victory brings also a new realization of sonship. Not only does the believer become a child by birth, but a son by adoption. We're going to get into that little distinction in a little while. We are a child by birth being born again, and a son by adoption. And he references Galatians 4, 5. And this is what this all means. It means mature status and full legal rights with guidance. Uh, that's in Romans eight fourteen, also in Galatians 4, 5. It means full family fellowship, Romans 8, verse 15. It means assurance, verse 16. It means heirship. And I would also add, as it says in Romans 817, a joint heir with Christ. It means stamina to suffer, verse 17. In view of the coming glory, verses 18 to 25. Creation itself will be delivered, verses 20 to 22. And then I would also add the text in verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
Unger continues to talk about the benefits of being adopted as the sons of God. Verse 19 will be revealed with God's Son, Jesus Christ. Our adoption, verse 23, is our future resurrection, physical resurrection, of which our present spiritual adoption is a pledge and prospect. And finally, we're saved by hope, verses 24 to 25. It's the future aspect of our salvation as we who are in Christ look toward the glory ahead, verses 14 to 23. That comes again from New Unger's uh, Bible Handbook. Listening friend, we are born again. We're regenerated as children of God. We are adopted as rightful heirs. The Puritan James Smith, uh, in a writing in 1862, drew the contrast between adoption and regeneration. And he says this, adoption precedes regeneration and is an act of grace outside of us, whereas regeneration is a work of grace within us. Adoption is the gracious act of the Father. Regeneration is the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Adoption puts among us puts us among the children. Regeneration makes us like the children. Adoption gives us the privilege of a child. Regeneration gives us the nature of a child. We are sons by God's choice before we are sons by the Spirit's work. Therefore, the apostle said, because you are sons, that is by adoption, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. We, listen, and that was good. That was from James Smith, uh, the Puritan writer. We have already received the spirit of adoption, believer. This is not something you need to pray for. You already have that spirit of adoption inside of you. Do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ, living in us through the Holy Spirit, knows how to relate to and love God the Father as a son, as a child? He does. Maybe you had a dysfunctional relationship with a parent growing up, and so it may be difficult in the natural to relate to the idea of God the Father. That's okay. Jesus knows how to do it well. And guess what? Believer, he's living in you. Through the Holy Spirit, allow him to show you the way. You know, not only that, the verse, verse 15, Romans 8, 15, goes on to say that the spirit of adoption enables us to cry out to our Heavenly Father in a twofold way. The spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. First, the first word is Abba. And that's the cry of a small child to her father. You know, all around the world, no matter the language, uh, children, babies, the word that they have for their father is very similar. Some cultures will say papa, or they'll say dada, or abba. Do you hear the similarity in these sounds? Abba here is that cry of a small child child to her father. It's a cry of love and joy as well as crying out when we're in trouble. And then the second word is 
father. Now, the Greek word behind this word father is different than the concept of Abba, which is like a child's cry. Rather, father here is the expression of a fully grown, mature son who has full access as an adult into his inheritance. So the spirit within you and me is already doing this, friend, crying out, Abba, as a child, Father, as a mature son, claiming his inheritance. And look what else this spirit of adoption does for us. Romans 8, verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, in the life of every believer, the Holy Spirit within us, deep down, stands as a witness to our spirit, that's the recreated part of us, that we are indeed children of God. Not only are we born again as children of God, we are adopted as sons, and remember that includes both men and women, boys and girls, we are adopted as sons for inheritance. But the Holy Spirit himself is the one given by the Father who encourages us and reassures us that we are indeed God's loved children and rightful heirs. Think for a moment about such love that we go to such drastic ends for sinners, changing them from sinners to saints, from children of the devil to children of God. And remember what we shared in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. This is so good. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My friend, and again, that's in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. That's love that is unimaginable. Yet the Holy Spirit of adoption bears witness in our spirit that this is true and that we are truly children of God. And we're not children of God because of how good we are. We're children of God because of how good God is and how loving he is, and how committed he is. And look at this, Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Oh, oh, we've been given that incredible, excellent standing before God because of nothing less than the blood of Jesus. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's in Romans 5, 10. My dear friend, such massive, incredible, amazing love dispels all the darkness and all your fear. Remember 1 John four eighteen, where it says that, Um, Fear has to do with punishment, but that's all dissipated in the light of the fullness of God's love. And what greater love than what we just read, God demonstrating his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You and I are deeply loved 
by our Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, James Smith, the Puritan, wrote, As the child has at all times access to its father's presence to whisper all its wishes into its father's ear and to receive all it needs from its father's hand, even so we, under the influence of the spirit of adoption, are taught to come at all times to our heavenly father and to cast all our cares upon him. He places us under the care and protection of God, showing us that as it has pleased the Lord to adopt us for his own, fixing his special love upon us, so he will take special care of us. He repeats to us in the secret and solemn fellowship which we have with him some of our Father's sweet and precious words. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. He who touches you, it says in the word, touches the apple of his eye. Mercy shall compass him about. Not one hair of your head shall perish. Lest any hurt it, I will keep it night and day. Take a moment right now to let that glorious truth settle in. Thank you, God, for loving us, even when we were at our very worst as rebel sinners. How much more we are in the full dimensions of your faithful love. I thank you, Lord. I praise you. And now let's move to Romans chapter 8, verse 17. It says this, And if, and that if means since, Since children, then heirs, heirs of God, and listen to this, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You know, the spirit who inspired verse 17 is repeating over and over again. Have you picked it up in these three verses, uh, 15 through 17, the, the, the same incredible love theme that God has made you and I, his children, And even more, he has adopted us as heirs. Not just an heir, but a joint heir with Christ. Think of that. The same inheritance and riches that Jesus has belong to you as well. The same incredible standing that Jesus has before God is the same standing that you have. No matter your situation, good, bad, crisis, or not, this is true. Please allow the Holy Spirit to supernaturally minister this glorious truth to you right now. The last part of verse 17 says this, If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified. Now, I want to make it clear that the if here in if indeed we suffer, is not a conditional if, because you being a born-again child of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ has nothing to do with you suffering or not. That's because God did it. And this suffering here uh, that's spoken of isn't any old suffering. This is actually the suffering of persecution. Now, I understand we don't like to hear that, persecution, But it is true. Jesus 
suffered persecution as the blessed Son of God. And likewise, believers share in that suffering as they face persecution as a blessed child of God. It is an honor to so suffer with him and for him. And then it goes on to say that we may also be glorified together. Most Christians have a very limited uh, view of glorification. They typically think that glorification or glory here refers only to our future state after this life. And while an aspect of that is definitely true, here in Romans 8, we can clearly see that there is an aspect of glorification which happens right now in the believer. First of all, what does the Bible mean when it says glorification or glorified? What the Bible speaks of when it speaks of glory refers to the outstanding characteristic of someone or something. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 15, 40 to 41, we read, There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. Okay, so what is the glory of man? Well, ultimately, that is the great Son of Man himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3 declares that Jesus is the brightness or the outraying of God's glory and the express image of his person. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So if you want to know what God the Father is like, just look at his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But you might be saying, yeah, but what has that got to do with me? I know that about Jesus. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, and it connects the dots. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the mystery, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me say that again. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's in Colossians 1.27. Now, God does not want you, contrary to popular belief, God is not interested in you being Christ-like. Instead, God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, invests his own Son in us. Why should we have to be Christ-like when we have Christ himself living in and through us? Well, there's much more to that, and We'll discuss that in our next episode of the Daily in Christ podcast. Let's take some time and pray. Dear Father, in one sense, it can be rather hard for us to compass our heart around the great love of God. I have to confess, Lord, in my own life that too often I get so fixated on the world and what the world says and does, rather than shutting that all down, Father, and listening to your still, small, powerful voice in the quiet.
in the quiet of your word, the Bible, in the quiet work of the Holy Spirit to reveal you to our heart. But I thank you, Lord, that this is your heart of love, Father. And just like a good father, dear Lord, you are the one who makes it all possible. You're the one who has brought us into your family by, through the Holy Spirit, making us born again, regenerated, changed from children of the devil to children of God. And then, oh Lord, this is precious beyond words, to adopt us as sons and daughters who are rightful heirs in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. I want to sincerely pray that you will continue bringing deeper and deeper revelation of your Father heart of love to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening friend, there are many around us, even around the world, that are suffering right now. They are suffering with fear, anxiety, job loss, financial crisis, maybe health crisis. They're worried. They're concerned about their future. And I know that even believers are struggling with this. But see, dear friend, you have hope. They don't even know where to go to find real hope. And so I want to ask you to do them a favor. Be there for them as a praying, encouraging ambassador of King Jesus that you really are. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says that we, um, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And it says that we have become ambassadors of Christ. What a royal task it is. No matter what your job is in life, you are royalty and you have a royal mission as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, let them know of the real hope that is in Jesus Christ. Share the gospel with them. Also, would you please let them know about this very important and encouraging series that we have right now on Daily in Christ. More than conquerors through the darkest of times. And you can find out more information, even encourage them to visit our website at dailyinchrist.org. That's dailyinchrist.org. I'm Mark Van Oost, your friend and Bible teacher, host of the Daily in Christ podcast. And dear friend, I want you to remember always what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him.